This is a podcast from Rover. So many hits. Uh, he's going to be here for the live event as well for the Rock 2000 Countdown. I tell you what, ever since he was named, we just couldn't wait to get hold of him. And we've got him, Jimmy Barnes. <laughs> Morning, Barnsy. How are you? G'day. How are you? Barnsy, we're so good. Now, I understand, have you not performed for eight months? And this... uh, Yeah, I did my first show the other night. Yeah, and so this will be one of your first shows for the year, essentially, won't it? It will. It's um, you know, listen. I got up and did a I did a bit of a run the other night just to make sure it was all working, and it was fantastic. Mate, I made it a rock. It was, it was one of the best shows we've done in years. There are a lot of people with a lot of froth, a lot of excitement about the fact that you are going to be playing at the Rock 2000 live event. It's, it's we've been billing it as an 80 minute set. It's Barnsley's greatest yeah. hits. You know, you had 23 songs across your career in last year's Rock 2000 countdown. It's bucket list yeah. stuff for a lot of rock listeners that are going to get the chance to come and see you perform your greatest hits. We're, we're bloody excited, mate. Well, you know, it's just one of those things for me to get to get the chance to come and play, you know, in New Zealand. One of, you know, it's one of my favourite places to go up. I've spent a lot of time there over the years. And to do, like, you know, the, let's face it, this, this countdown, it's, it's pretty sort of monumental. You know, I've seen some of the, some of the, the lists of the songs that get played and stuff. It's, uh, it's really great to be, you know, in celebrating, you know, great rock and roll music that we've all shared over the years. We, you've got such a um, great affinity with New Zealand audiences but I've been walking around the mm. office saying he's bigger than the Beatles. Um, <laughs> and, and it's true. Because with Cole I Chisel and your, I love your enthusiasm. Yeah, because with the, and, and they're not turning up to the Rock 2000. No, and, but you've got 20 number one albums in Australia with Cole Chisel and yourself. That's incredible. Yeah, it's that's pretty good. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I, I've had a lot of really loyal, you know, fans. That, like, you know, basically we get out every night, and my job, I've told this to people before, my job is to make everybody think that every night Saturday night of the week. Mm. And so, you know, the, the, I think there's just a lot of people out there who, you know, who like that, like that sort of, you know, the, the dedication of work that we got. Because, you know, you know, I know you guys all, everybody loves it when we play rock and roll, but I've got to tell you, nobody loves it more than me. You know, I get up there and just, it's, it, it, I, you know, cool. I get a smile on my face every time I hit the stage. You also reckon that you are singing better now, better than before. Yep. What's your secret? Because I reckon as a show, we're actually getting worse as yeah. time goes on. <laughs> oh, sweet. Well, you might be right. <laughs> well, you know, see, see, the thing is, you weren't you weren't hammering yourself at the start of the show. Yeah. You see, yeah. I was, you know, I was in the middle of, you know, I was drinking, you know, bottles of vodka and going crazy for for years, and 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 literally, I'd be doing eight shows a week, you know, in, in the old days. And uh, so, you know, like something's got to give. And eventually, you know, you know, I just felt like I was getting a bit tired. These days, I've, you know, I'm really fit. Um, I really pace myself. And instead of, you know, quantity of shows, it's all about the quality of the show. So, yeah. so I guess what you're going to do, guys, is just sort of, you know, a couple of days before the, before you, you do your show, you know, lie down, have a bit of a rest, you know, focus. Uh-huh. Yep. Take a, give it, and, and, and every, every day you do the show, make it the best show you've ever done. That's what you're going to do. I, I, I literally walk on stage, uh, you know, every night saying, this is going to be the best show I've ever done. Yes. And, if, and I want to leave that stage wow. having absolutely mm. nothing left in my tank. I tell you what, that's like me after every show. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, there you go. It's Absolutely working. tapped out. That's, that's such a good show. That's why, that's why it's working. Sorry, I need to get my breath. Yeah, how good. Now, Barnsley Bryce here, mate. Yesterday we had one of your very good friends, Tim Finn, on the phone. He was telling us all these great stories. Um, and a couple were about ACDC playing with them in the mid-70s with Bon Scott. Now, you knew Bon and would have spent a bit of time with him. Uh, well, Bon was a good mate of mine. Bon and I were very close. And uh, we, you know, and we lived, both lived in Adelaide. And Bon, bon was actually, um, bon, bon used to come and hang out with us. We used to all hang at a place called the Larkspear Hotel, which was probably one of the toughest uh, pubs in the world. It was like this pub where the clientele was sort of big, hairy, tattooed, you know, singlet wearing, uh, and that was just the women. And Bon and I would go there. Bon and I would go there and, and you know and drink all night. So yeah. not, like Bon was probably one of the few people I know who could drink me under the table. You know, he used to he, used to, he drank like a fish, but he was a really good fella, really good and good guy. Great singer, and and mm. you know, and when he when he got the call that he joined the uh, sorry, was no surprise to me. He was perfect for the band. He's you know, we all grew up in the same sort of scene. You know, us and Rose Tattoo and and uh, ACDC and Midnight Oil, and we'd all play these pubs in Australia where it was literally it was a bit like Blues Brothers with a chicken wire across. The pub. You know, you, <laughs> oh, you, had yeah. to play, you had to play you had to play good or you got killed. You know, and so um, <laughs> oh, we all. We, we all learned to be. We all learned to be really good live live bands, and and uh, and you know, they they were certainly one of those bands. Did you have oh. to play Rawhide? <laughs> roll in, roll in, roll I think in. we might have. Yeah. <laughs> Just to give me a Remember one night we got we got booked to play at a at a, a school formal, and when you know, we you know, we were like you know Chizzle were a young like a blues rock band, and we got there and. And the, the the kids were loving us, but the teachers hated us. And the teacher, the, I think the headmaster, was insisting that we, we play a, like a, a military two-step so they could dance to it, otherwise they were going to throw us off. And we didn't know any, so I think we, I think we played Sink the Bismarck. <laughs> so a headmaster was trying Which was to... A bit, it was a bit of a rock version. Yeah, think, wow. So we're going to go through some of your songs. So this one you were saying before, one for the boys, of the boys, sorry, Rose Tattoo. Now, uh, Bryce has brought, uh, brought it up before, but of course, ACDC. Now, this one here, Barnsley, Highway to Hell. So many to pick from. What? what why Highway to Hell? Well, you know, I mean, I could have picked any song on yeah. that record. But just, I remember, you know, that, that period was, was right before Bond died. And I really thought that um, the ACDC, as, as great as it had been for years, by, by the time Power Age and, Hi- and Highway to Hell albums came along, they just they'd hit their stride and they were better than any band in the world, any yeah. any rock and roll band in the world. And so that song sort of is, is sort of representative of a time for me, I reckon. Um, one here as well, the classic Sex Pistols, Anarchy in the UK. Did you ever have much to do with Sex Pistols? I mean, an iconic band. No, not 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 at all. I mean, like I didn't think Sex Pistols were the start of, of punk, and they certainly weren't the they certainly weren't the end of it. But they actually brought it to brought it to the mainstream, and I like I love the fact that you know the production on this record it's it's, a, it's the same guy who who you know who produced Roxy Music and and you know end up doing NXS and all that sort of stuff yeah. as well. But mm. but really great production, and the band just sounds like they're, they're ferocious. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't that big on punk because you know when when punk started in Australia, I don't know about in New Zealand. But they whole went through the whole thing with people spitting on you. Yeah. And so I'd be singing away in a front row and somebody spit on me and I'd have to jump up and bash them. You know? Well, um, didn't, didn't that happen? I was a bit too punk for the movement. Yeah, you, yeah. Fought, you fought members of the crowd. I remember you telling us a story. Yeah, I, we used to. Right. We, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to sing and have people spit at me, so you know, I'd knock them out. You know? 
Yeah, you would knock them out. Yeah. Bryce, to bring up that you've uh, last year, you, Jimmy, uh, Cole Chisel, 23 songs in the countdown. Some of your big ones that do very well, obviously, working class man. Now, there'd be a lot of people who thought or think that you wrote that song, uh, but you didn't, did you? It was uh, written for you, essentially. Yeah, it was written for me, but I, I met this guy. I was, I was signed to Geffen Records, and they, and they introduced me to a songwriter they wanted me to work with, a guy called Jonathan Kane. And Jonathan was, uh, was actually, by the time I met him, he was in Journey. Yeah. And Journey, they were absolutely massive in America. And so I, I went there, and you know, and, and we spoke, and he was a good fellow. He obviously knew a lot about music and loved rock and roll. So I, I was talking to him, and, and I went away, and suddenly he said, I've written a song for you. And he said, it's called Working Class Man. And I've got to tell you, I sort of cringed a bit at first, because I thought he wanted me to sing about me being a working class man. Yeah. And I thought it was a bit cheesy. But when he when he explained it, he sent the song to me and he said, "Oh, because I told him about playing like the pubs in, in Australia and the sort of gigs that we played." And when he explained that he that he'd written this from my audience perspective, uh, I thought it was a really great thing because you know it's really great. It was a great song, and to sing it as a tribute to your audience is, is yeah. like you know it's, it's like my way of giving stuff back to my audience. So it was a nice thing, nice touch. Well, he actually also wrote "Don't Stop Believing" for Journey, so he, he, did. he he's knows a, he's, he's, incre- yeah. he's an incredible yeah. writer, and, and all the yeah, lots, lots of stuff. Now, and you know, I, I hate to say it, but you know what he does now? He plays at Donald Trump rallies. He's married. He's married. He's married to Donald Trump's spiritual advisor. 